Hello everybody, welcome back to Hope in the Midst And today we'll be talking about obedience with a covenant But before I start, I'd like to start off in prayer Thank you Lord Christ Jesus for this moment, for this time in your beautiful, wonderful, and extraordinary presence Lord, I want to Thank you for the word that you will share with us today. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here in this place, in this atmosphere, and with everybody, wherever they may be listening at this very moment. Guide me, Holy Spirit, to what the Father wants for his people. Give us revelation, Holy Spirit, of the word so that we can treasure it in our hearts. Lord Christ Jesus, I declare that your presence be with those who listen to your voice in this very moment embrace each one in your arms lord and fill them with your love with your peace lord help us to obey and to honestly listen to the message that you're trying to give us help us to store it in the most profoundest part of our heart and to meditate it meditate on it on the daily in the name of jesus and by his powerful and precious blood, I declare that the voice of the enemy be canceled and muted and have no power whatsoever over us because we are God's children and we are in his presence. Lord, take over and guide us how you want in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the word covenant, it means pact, deal, or promise between two people. So I'm going to give a couple of examples of packs that have been made through obedience. And the first example is Noah. And the physical um the physical representation is the rainbow. And I'll just give you a little bit of of um backstory. So we're going to look in the book of Genesis chapter 9, verse 11 through 17, where it says, Yes, I am confirming my covenant with you. Never again will floodwaters kill all living creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. Then God said, I am giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is a sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds. And I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy all life. When I see the rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. Then God said to Noah, Yes, the rainbow is the sign of the covenant I am confirming with all the creatures on earth. So you see how many times it reiterates the general idea of God saying, um, God saying he won't destroy the earth and everything, every living creature. It says it, I, I forgot to 
forgot to write it down how many times I said it, but it kept on repeating it throughout the whole entire 11 through 17. So God's making the pact with Noah, since he was the only one obedient in those times. Um, it says twice that I am confirming the covenant to never flood the earth and kill all living creatures. So the sign, the physical sign that can be seen as a reminder to both God and Noah was the physical rainbow and its and its beauty. So here's a pearl, a little nugget for you guys. So look how Satan has twisted the mind of a human being. So the rainbow, it's now no longer um no longer seen as God's promise. It is now being used for the LGBTQIA+, etc., 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 whatever they, whatever else they have added to that community. Um, they use it to represent them. Uh, and the promise that has been made by God to human and to living creatures has been manipulated by man who goes against what God has established many years ago. So I'm not saying that I'm, you know, I'm not against homosexuals, just against what they do, what they're doing. It is not what God established. I'm going to reiterate this. God made Adam a man and Eve a woman. So one man, one woman. Amen. I don't know if you feel if you're if you feel offended by what I'm saying and it comes off to as um, homophobic. It's it's not what I aim what I'm aiming for. It's not my intention to get you mad, but it what um, what has been established is man and woman. So if it hurts, if it's if you're offended, if the shoe fits, wear it. <sighs> Anyways, so now we're going to talk about the second example of um, a pact. So we're going to talk about Abraham. So the uh, promise between Abraham and God is uh, Abraham being a father of many generations. And we're going to go to, we're going to stay in the same book. We're going to stay in Genesis. We're just going to go to chapter 17. Verse 4. And then we're going to drop down to verse 6 and 7. Um, verse 4 says, This is my covenant with you. I will make you a father of multitude of a multitude of nations. I'm going to drop down to six and seven where it says, I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. Verse seven, I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Wow. So you see, there's that one promise to Abraham of being a father of many nations. And then the second, pro the second piece to that promise is everlasting which is 
God will always be the God of Abraham, but also to the descendants, the generations after. Wow, that is that is awesome. <laughs> so the the surprising thing that calls my attention is says kings will be among them. Referring to King David and every other king that ha- that aligns himself to what pleases God. Even though, you know, they're human, they made their mistakes, but to the ones who have turned from them. Amen. And then it says generation to generation. Wow. So the another thing that um, I see as um, something very important that you guys, I don't know, highlight it, um, underline, is the second part of uh, verse 7 where it says, I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Amen? Wow. So the physical sign of the pact... With God and Abraham is the circumcision, that extra skin of the men, the genital area of a male, of a man. <laughs> so we're going to go to, we're going to go uh, down to verse 9 through 14 because it's part of the covenant. It, um, it's actually the mark. So something physical. So verse 9 says, then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms See, circle the word, underline the word, highlight the word. I don't, I don't know what you're going to do, but circle the phrase, the whole, or underline the phrase, sorry, obey the terms of the covenant. So you see, there's, um, this, this, uh, promise, it's, it's, um, Abraham has to put his part in order for, you know, the rest to come in to play. So now I'm going to continue on reading. It says, you and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. Under Underline the phrase, this continual responsibility. And then go back to where it says, you and all your descendants. Wow. So not just Abraham. It's everybody that's with him. Verse 10. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. Must be. Underline it. Must be. Verse 11. You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of a covenant between me and you. From generation to generation. It's not from one person to another. Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. It's one generation to another. So every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to the members of your family. I'm going to stop right there. It says this applies not only to the members of your family. Wow. Ouch. So who else does this, you know, this promise you know, involve. So we're going to read the second half where it says, but also the servants born in your household and the foreign born servants whom you have purchased. Ouch. 
wow, so the servants, his kids, and then the kids of his foreign servants. And now we're going to read verse 13 where it says, All must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Now we're going to read verse 14. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. Wow. So if any of um, the servants or the servants' children or the foreign servants' children do not get circumcised, they will not be part of the promise. Ouch. They'd be cut off. Wow, that means being cut off of God's protection. And nobody, nobody wants that. I highly doubt they want that to deal with the wrath or to deal with something, uh, you know, them being under attack and they're exposed. They don't have God's coverage over them. Yeesh. That's a little, that's a little hard, but it's true. So the people in Abraham are responsible to obey and must keep it. Like how it says in verse 9. So in verse 12, it says from generation to generation on the eighth day after birth. So it applies to family, servants, and foreign servants. Now, verse 14. So anybody who doesn't do it will be cut off. From the family for breaking the promise. And now we're going to jump into the third person. So we're going to jump into Moses. With Moses, the uh, covenant with between Moses and God are the Ten Commandments, the laws and the decrees that God told Moses to share with the people. So we're going to go to the book of Genesis, or not Genesis, sorry, Exodus. Um, Exodus chapter 20. Verse 1 through 17, it's the original Ten Commandments when he went up to the mountain and they were originally written by God. There, well, there's, there's two because the second, the second time they call it the new copy. It's nothing new added. It's just on the second time, which is Exodus chapter 34, verse 12 through 26 and then verse 28. It's when, um... This is the chapter after um, the golden bull and he, Moses is gone for a long time and that happens. That's 33. But 34, he gets angry. He breaks the first copy, which is what we're about to read. Exodus chapter 20. So he breaks it. It was written from, you know, God's hand himself. So the 40 days and the 40 nights were basically were... Um, was when he started writing, he didn't have anything to drink. He didn't have anything to eat. Why? Because Moses was in the presence of the Lord in Mount Sinai. So let's read Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 through 17, where it says, Then God gave the people all these instructions. And the word instructions in Hebrew, when you translate it, you get the definition. It means all these words. So then God gave the people all these words. Um, verse 2, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not take for yourself 
an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or in the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. Ouch. So... Before you worship anything or put anything in first place and you put God in second place, watch out because your children and then your children's children and their children, yeah, they're going to end up affected. Because it says it goes up to the third and fourth generation for those who reject me, for those who rebel, for those who no longer want, you know, God in their lives. So now we're going to jump to verse six where it says, but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generation on those who love me and obey my commands. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh is the Sabbath day to rest, the day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God on the day no one in your household may work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in the sixth in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the sea, oh, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Honor your father and your mother. Then you will live a long, live a full, a long, full life in the land God, in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So, verse 12 where it says honor your father and your mother that's one part so the word honor translates to the word respect respect your mother and your your father and your mother and then the second part so if you respect them and you value them the the blessing to it is you will live a a long full life in the land the lord your god has given you so what it means it's not physical land what it's actually referring to is you will have a blessed life according to how God wants to give you things. Amen? So now we're going to go to verse 13 where it says, You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. And the last one, you must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Those are the original Ten Commandments. <sighs> so, those were written by God's hand, given to Moses. So now we're going to go to... um. Well, Exodus 34, as I was saying, Exodus 34, um, verse 12 to 12 to 26 and verse 28. It's the same Ten Commandments, but it just, it, it, I don't know if it words them differently. I guess because, hold on, I need to, it's because I read it in two different versions. So, 
one says it differently than another. I'm gonna can't remember. I didn't write it down. Sorry. Um but in this one I we're going to read verse 1 so you guys can understand what I was trying to explain to you guys earlier. So um it's basically a new copy of the covenant. Ver- uh Exodus chapter 34 verse 1 where it says Then the Lord told Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones. I will write on them the same words that were on the tablets you smashed. Wow. So then verse 2 says, be ready in the morning to climb up Mount Sinai and present yourself to me on the top of the mountain. Verse 3, no one else... No one else may come with you. In fact, no one is to appear anywhere on the mountain. Do not even let the flocks or herds graze near the mountain. That's because God's presence was there. And anybody who disobeyed, obviously, will, you know, die. Can't remember. Can't remember. uh, What verse was it? I I think it was in Exodus. Somewhere in Exodus before all this happened. Um, um, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to find it. Here it is. Okay. Verse 12. Be very careful never to make a treaty with the people who live in the land where you're going. If you do, you will follow their evil ways and be trapped. Instead, you must break down their pagan altars, smash their sacred pillars, and cut down their Asherah poles. You must not worship no other gods, for the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. When it says God is jealous with his relationship with you, it means he's he wants to be your number one, your plan A and your only plan. You should always run to him and seek for him, seek for his presence. He doesn't like want you to leave. Not, I hope that doesn't sound possessive, but like he's basically our father. He made us. He wants for us to always seek him. You know how we always look for our parents when we want to um when we need advice or uh when we feel when we want to feel you know safe here on earth but you know god's the only one who makes us feel safe um anyways jump to verse 15 so it says you must not make a treaty of any kind with the people living on the land they lust after their gods offering sacrifices to them they will invite you to join them in their sacrificial meals and you will go with them then you will accept their daughters to sacrifice who sacrifice to other gods as wives for your sons and they will seduce your sons to commit adultery against me by worshiping other gods you must not make any gods of molten metal for yourselves you must celebrate the festival of unleavened bread for seven days the bread you eat must be made without yeast just as i command to celebrate this festival annually at the appointed time in early spring in the month of abib abib is um 
is the month of the ancient Hebrew lunar calendar. It usually refers to the months of uh, March, but within March, April, late March, early April, or mid to late March, actually, early April. Um, for that is the anniversary of your departure from Egypt. So the firstborn of every male belongs to me, including the firstborn males of your herds, excuse me, herds of cattle and your flocks of sheep and goats. A first don firstborn donkey may be bought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or young goat in its place. But if you don't buy it back, you must break its neck. Oh, poor animal. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. No one may appear before me without an offering. You may have six days each week for your ordinary work, but on the seventh day you must stop working. Even during the seasons of plowing and harvest, you must celebrate the festival of harvest with the first crop of wheat harvest. Oh, with the first crop of the wheat harvest and celebrate the festival of final harvest at the end of the harvest season three times each year every man in israel must appear before the sovereign before the sovereign the lord the god of israel i will drive out the other nations ahead of you and expand your territory so no one will covet and so no one will covet and conquer your land while you appear before the lord your god three times each year you must not offer the blood of my sacrificial offerings together with any baked goods containing yeast. And none of the meat of the Passover sacrifice must be kept over until the next morning. As you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. You must not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Then the Lord said to Moses, write all these instructions for they represent, underline, highlight, circle, the phrase, for they represent the terms of the covenant I am making with you and with Israel. That was verse 27. So, verse 28. Moses remained on the mountain with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. In all that time, he had no bread Oh, he ate no bread and drank no water. And the Lord wrote the terms of the covenant, also known as the Ten Commandments, on the stone tablets. Um, so yeah, as I was saying earlier. So he broke the first copy that God, writ that God wrote, so he had to write them, uh, rewrite them, rewrite them down with the terms. Wow. So now the fourth person we will, uh, I will talk to you guys about is the pact of David and God. There's two parts to the one with David because one is the pro the covenant being made. And then the second half is the covenant coming to, uh, pass. In other words, happen. Um, Second, we're going to go to 2nd Samuel. 2nd Samuel chapter 7, verse 11. The second part of verse 11, where it says, Furthermore, hold on, I think it, yeah, furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. 
when we're, we're gonna read it up to verse 16 so yeah furthermore the lord declares that he will make a house for you a dynasty of kings for when you die and are buried with your ancestors i will rise up one of your descendants your own offspring offspring and i will make his kingdom strong he is the one who will build a house a temple for my name and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod, like any father would do. But my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time and your throne will be secure forever. Wow. So God made a house. God will make a house for the descendants of David, keeping them as a dynasty of kings. Wow. That is a big promise. And that goes from generation to generation. So also giving the discipline that is needed. So God basically chose. So it says that. He will choose one of the of uh, the children of David. And it turned out being Solomon. But Solomon has, you know, if he if he sins, it obviously says I will be his father and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him like any father would. Wow. So Solomon gets disciplined by God. Wow. So now we're going to see the uh, pact completed and it's in first the Kings, first the Kings chapter six, where it says Solomon builds the temple. Uh, we're going to go to verse 11, 11 through 13. So first the Kings chapter six, verse 11 through 13. Where it says, the Lord gave this message to Solomon concerning this temple you are building. If you keep, circle the word if, and then continue on reading. You will keep all my decrees and regulations and obey all my commands. I will full, I will fulfill through you the promise I made to your father, David. I will live among the Israelites and I... Uh, and will never abandon my people. Underline the word will never abandon. Well, underline the phrase. Will never abandon my people. Verse. Where's third? Oh, I read it. Yeah, there we go. So King Solomon had to build a temple, but had to be according to what his father wrote to him and nothing, absolutely nothing could be changed or could be altered because he had to follow everything from the beginning to the end. And the last person that I will be talking about with the promise is Jesus. Jesus forms the new covenant. Jesus is the new covenant. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26 
verse 26 through 29, where it says, As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. Then he took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and he said, Each of you drink it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. So basically, this is a little bit about the last the last supper. Basically, the bread is the life, the life of Jesus. They're both they're this um this last supper is a symbol. Everything that I just read is a symbol. So obviously, as I was saying, Jesus's body life is the bread if rep- that's what the bread is a symbol for and now the wine is a symbol of jesus's blood which has power obviously amen so the last supper is a huge 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 symbol that <clears throat> in other words bread Bread is the word of Christ. Humans spiritually, it's 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 what we as humans, obviously believers, believers in Christ, it's our spiritual food. That it's what we live off of. Because humans we don't I can't remember where it's worth uh reverse, but it says that humans not only live off of bread, but but what comes out from God's mouth. So basically his word and what he says spiritually. Because bread is something physical that your physical body eats. We don't have to always give our physical body something to eat. But we also got to focus on our spiritual body. We have to also give our spirit something to eat. Because if we don't, then it'll end, we'll end up dying spiritually. And we don't want to be cold. Amen? So wine, it's... Jesus' blood that has been shed for us and is meant to clean us and to give us the power and authority over the enemy. Amen? Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, where it says, Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry, and then he fed you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that the people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Amen? Wow. Every word that comes from the mouth of God is what we eat. It's what gives us that strength to keep on moving forward, that desire to keep on moving forward. So here's another little pearl. 
So Jesus came to restore us, but that doesn't mean that we have to be the same as before. It means to be different in the Lord and to bring us one step closer in the direction of God. Amen? Now, I want to go to the book. We're going to bounce back to the book of Genesis to chapter 28, verse 10 through 15. Talk a little bit about uh, Jacob's dream at Bethel. And it says, Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran at sundown. He arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamt a stairway that reached from, from the earth up to heaven, and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather, Abraham, and the God of your father, Isaac. The ground that you are laying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and the east and the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised. Wow. So Jacob had a dream at a place to camp from his travel towards Haran. So at this place, he laid his head on a rock. And he fell asleep. I can't, like, I, I, I cannot imagine that he just grabbed a rock and he laid on it. Something so hard and a pillow is something so soft. And he just knocked out. Sleeping. So in his dream, he sees angels going up and going down on a beautiful white staircase. And the Lord was just at the top. And the promise made was his presence with Jacob everywhere and the very land that he was sleeping on he would you know go to where the, his destination and then he'd end up coming back and that's wow that's all his right there all his and the most the, the thing that catches my attention it reiterates it reiterates the promise saying your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. Basically, just it serves as a reminder where it says um, in the verse that we uh, were beginning with, we're talking, not beginning, but like the second example of Abraham, second or third example, being Abraham and the promise that goes from generation to generation, which is you know, being father of numerous descendants. So then it says here that um, the descendants that are of Jacob will be as numerous as dust. There's a lot of dust. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Numbers 30, chapter 30. 
Numbers chapter 30, verse 1 and 2. So law, it's going to talk about laws concerning vows. Vows is another word for a pact. So it says, Then Moses summoned the leaders of the tribes of Israel and told them, This is what the Lord has commanded. A man who makes a vow to the Lord or makes a pledge under oath must never underline, highlight, circle, whatever makes you comfortable. Circle this. It says, must never break it. He must do, this is the second part. So he must do exactly what is said he would do. So if a person makes a promise to God, he must keep it, must do exactly what is said and can never break it. Breaking it means you're breaking the base of trust with God and your relationship with him. So when you, for example, if you tell God, um, if you're an immigrant listening and you're from, I don't know, Europe and you say, Lord, if you take me to America and give me a better life, I will serve you better. That's you, you say that to him while he makes he moves everything. He makes it possible for you to come to America to have a better life. You end up getting a better life. And you end up forgetting what you've promised who knows how many months ago or a year ago. He, he hasn't forgotten. You did. You broke the trust. And then before you make another promise that you probably won't end up keeping, just stay silent. But also ask the Lord to reveal to you if you've made any promises that you haven't kept. And honestly, just ask him. Lord, forgive me, I haven't kept my promises that I've made. Reveal to me what I have not completed with you. And, you know, let's start afresh, let's start anew. I don't know how he'll, how he'll reply, but I hope he says yes. You know, to, to clean that slate. Now we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 31. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 31, where it says, For the Lord your God is merciful, is a merciful God. He will not abandon you or destroy you or forget the solemn covenant he made with your ancestors. Wow. So basically, this is the answer. God is merciful. He will not abandon you. And when he, he will not destroy you or he will not forget you. Amen. Because he made the promise that he goes, that goes from generation to generation. Now we're going to go to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 1 where it says, Moses called all the people of Israel together and said, Listen carefully, Israel. Hear the decrees and regulations I am giving you today so that you may learn them and obey them. So Moses calls all the people to listen and to obey the regulations that have um, been established. So the word listening, it, it it was meant, it's used in a way that 
the people had to absorb and accept what God was trying to say. And then the second part says to learn. So basically, in other words, to understand the meaning and understand the consequences that will happen if you don't listen. Slash learn. And then the part of obey is putting to action what was established by God. So something very important is that all three are list are needed to grow with God. So listening, learning, obeying, all three are needed to grow with God. Why? Because you have to listen to what God has established, learn what he has established, and obey what has been established. So now here's a question. Which is easy to do? Which one of the three, listening, learning, and obeying, is the easiest for you? Now, the second question. Which of the three is the hardest? Now we're going to go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 2 and 3. Where it says, and you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord, the Lord your God, as long as you live. If you, if you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Verse three, listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you and you will have many children in the land flowing milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God, the God of your ancestors promised you. Okay, so fear the Lord. Again, this phrase, as I've been telling you guys before in previous podcasts, the phrase fear the Lord doesn't mean to be scared of God. It means to have a deep respect for God and obey him. So the the second part is um to obey and why if you obey the reward is you will enjoy a long life spiritually speaking. Verse 3 be be attentive to what is established then god's presence will be with you um for verse three verse uh verse three is what really caught me the first part of it um where it says listen closely i um when it says listen closely Israel, it, it it's in this time in those times it was talking about the people, but I scratch out the word, the name Israel, and I put my name and you know listen closely and then my name and say, and then read the rest. Be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children and the land flowing with milk and honey oh in the land flowing milk and honey just as the lord the god of your ancestors promised you the reason why i say i scratch out the name israel and put my name is because sometimes 
I need that reminder of, hey, I got to obey. Hey, I got to be careful. Hey, I got to also listen. You know, sometimes it's best that we, you know, in that moment when God is speaking to us and speaking to our hearts, it's best to, you know, sometimes I feel it in my spirit where he says, scratch off that name, whether God is talking about David or Saul or, you know, in some cases, if we're going through that situation, God sometimes tells me, you know, um, put your name, um, put, put yourself in, in that situation. Sometimes I'm just like, wow. And sometimes it's just the answer. Verse three, that's what, that's what's hitting me right now. It's saying, listen closely, listen closely and in my name and then be careful to obey and all will go well. Ooh, ouch. So we're going to go next chapter. Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse nine. Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse nine, where it says, understand therefore that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. Let's let's uh, highlight the phrase keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and then in a different color or underline the the second part where it says and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands so there's two parts so know that god is god and the second part is he is faithful with the promise that he makes from generation to generation. And he gives his unfailing love to those who love him and obey. In other words. Now next chapter. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 1 through 3. Where it says be careful to obey all the commands I am giving you today. Then you will live and multiply and you will enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for 40 years, humbling you, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you mana a food previously unknown to your ancestors he did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone rather we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the lord so verse one through three of deuteronomy chapter eight says be very careful obey and remember God is molding you through obedience that you through the obedience that you show. So example, verse verse 1. How is our heart? Love God more than anything, our will, committing ourselves to God completely, our mind, seeking his word and his presence, our body strength talents abilities that are given by god 
should be used to please only him. Our finances know that our resources ultimately come from God. We're only managers. Let me repeat this. We are only managers of what he gives. So technically what you have isn't really yours. Ouch, but true. So our last, um, you know, our last piece to this is our future. Choose to serve God and people. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12 says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Here's the answer. He requires only... He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases him and love him and serve with all your heart and soul. Wow. Again, let me reiterate this. Fear the Lord means to not be scared of him, but to have a deep respect and obedience. Amen. So we're only required to fear him honor and respect and to live a way that pleases him also to love and serve with all your heart and soul then we're going to jump down to verse 20 and 21 where it says you again you must fear the lord your god and worship him and cling to him your oaths must be in his name alone he alone is your god the only one who is worthy of your praise the one who has done these mighty miracles that you have seen with your own eyes so again it says fear the lord worship and cling on to him he alone is worthy of your praise amen deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 18 and 19 It says, so commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly is verse 18. But verse 19 says, teach it to your kids. You know, if you're married and you and your husband or husband if you're or a man if you're listening uh with your wife obviously you teach it to your children amen joshua chapter 24 can't find it just had it joshua joshua chapter 24 verse 25 through 28 says so joshua made a covenant with the people that day at shisham commit committing them to follow all the decrees and regulations of the lord joshua recorded these things in the book of god's instructions as a reminder of their agreement he took a huge stone and rolled it beneath the turbineth tree beside the tabernacle of the lord joshua said to all the people this stone has heard everything the the lord said to us he Oh, it will be a witness to testify against you if you go back on your word to God. Then Joshua sent all the people away to their own homelands. Wow. So Joshua made a promise and everybody was there and they all will obey 
the Lord and what he has said and what has been established. So, there are six principles to live by. First one, know God personally, learn God's commands, and discover what he wants you to do. Third thing, worship God with a clean heart. Fourth, serve God willingly. Five, be faithful. And six, don't get discouraged. And this, hold on, I need to, I need to see where I have concluded these six principles. Oh, first the Chronicles. I, it's because I wrote, I wrote it real small. First the Chronicles chapter 28, verse 1 through 10. I'm not going to read the whole thing um, as, you know, as a question of, question of time but basically uh first chronicles chapter 28 verse 1 through 10 you can read it on your own time due to a question of time um read on your own time first chronicles chapter 28 verse 1 through 10 basically i'm gonna just paraphrase it david was encouraging um david was encouraging his son solomon to obey all of god's commands also wanted him to take god seriously and to grow closer and closer in his relationship with God. That's why I said these six principles to live by. Because they're basically, um, you know, what David was telling Solomon to do. Um, also, I'm going to have Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 10 verse 28 through 39. Also, I'm not going to read it due to question of time. Um, Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 28 through 39, just going to paraphrase it, is basically the vows that were made by the Israelite people to God about following slash obeying his laws, decrees, commands, and regulations with this promise. With this, they promised other things. Uh, an important thing to see is verse 39, where it says, we promise together not to neglect the temple of our god wow so does that mean that they neglected the temple of god just a question now uh, ezra ezra chapter 10 verse 1 through 3 not gonna read it do a question due to a question of time but you guys can read it on your own ezra chapter 10 verse 1 through 3 where it basically talks about the Israelites being forced to divorce their pagan wives and send away the children. This was necessary to, to preserve God's people and only and the people, the Israelites, they only had two painful options. One, continue with the sin and risk God God's wrath on them. Or two, divorce the wife and send away the children. So I'm not saying that, you know, divorce is the answer, but... Um, what I'm trying to say is God hates marriages that end up in divorce. You can see that in Matthew chapter 19, verse 8 through 9. It's made very clear, very absolutely clear. So you also got to see uh, Ezra chapter 9, verse 1 through 15. It's basically a backstory of what is happening in Ezra chapter 10, verse 1 through 3. So see also verse 2, 5, 12, and 15 of Ezra chapter 9, where it talks about intermarriage. It's not really about 
against race it's about the spiritual aspect of a believer and a non-believer they can't be together why because there is no unity uh god is not the center of the relationship there's always going to be division amen so that's why don't marry a person who is a non-believer and the last verse that will be given is jeremiah chapter 6 verse 10 and 11 